We're, we're recording. Okay, great. So, this is our very first podcast ever. It's called Loinlander. Would you like to explain why it's called Loinlander? Welcome to Loinlander, what can only be described as the most unofficial Outlander podcast ever made. Right. That's a good way to describe it for sure. It's starring Megan and Joe. I'm Megan. I'm Joe. Okay, good. So that's settled. So a little bit of background information on us before we begin the season three premiere episode. Also, to note, it's our first episode. Um, I'm a huge Outlander fan, a huge Outlander TV series fan. So I love, love, love the show. And I always want to talk about it and discuss it and read reviews and listen to Ronald D. Moore's podcast on the show. Um, I can't get enough of it. And ironically, it was Joe that introduced the show to me. And he kept saying, there's this show. I think you'd really like it. And I said, no, I've actually read the books and I find the books a little challenging to get through at times. There's a lot of uh, stirring loins and and sometimes not as much story as I would like. And so we titled it Loinlander. Then I watched the series and I loved it and then proceeded to make Joe watch every episode as well. That is correct. I uh, had little to no interest in watching the show, but my wife badgered me into watching it and as they say happy wife happy life so I checked it out and uh, although there were some redeeming qualities in the first season uh, the second I, season was was difficult right I, but it I did a tough one. sort of push through the second season and now we thought at the beginning of season three if we were ever going to do a podcast now would be the time right welcome here we go so let's start with the battle joined so I think we should start with giving our overall grades of the show, and then we'll go through the episode beat by beat, giving our commentary. And at the end, we'll talk about our favorite scenes, our least favorite scenes, and who we think is the most valuable player of the episode. Okay, so what are we talking about? What's our uh, grading criteria? I would say like it's a- out of 100. So what percentage would you give this episode out of 100? C minus. That's not out of 100. So I'll, I'll start. Oh, say, okay. I'll give it a 95%. Out of 100? I will give it a 95, yeah. Like 100? That's okay. right. All right, then. What would you give it out of 100? I would give it 32. 32%. 32 out of 100. Okay. Yeah, 32 um, loin points. I don't want to So why did it lose so many points for you? Like, what were you hoping to see in this episode that you didn't see? Well, um... My scientific explanation as to why I would get 32 loin points out of 100 is because right. it wasn't very good. Uh, but uh, what was I expecting to see? Obviously, um, leading up to oh, basically leading up to episode one in of season three, we heard a lot about this big battle. Right. It's called Culloden. Yes. They talked about us it. like, oh, Sasanak, we have to call it in, you know, yeah. like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, so blah, 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 we're trying to prevent call it in. And then it's like, hey, guess what? Call it in. Five minutes, done. Oh, Over. it was longer than five minutes. Well, it was a series of flashbacks and uh, it was a lot of just like sad ass. It was Jamie sad. It was sad. With, like, the battle mi- of Culloden was sad though. With a mystery corpse lying on top of him. Who could that have been? Okay, well, let's start. Let's get into our recap. Okay. Yes. Um... So there's a. We'll start with the beginning. There's a brand new beginning, an opening sequence, right? That's sort always of. exciting. Same, it has some of, song. I mean, we still get that deer looking directly yeah, at us. That's a big. That's a big us. one. Yeah. But Claire's muddy feet. Her muddy feet running. Yeah, uh-huh. that's huge. It's important. But there are some different shots to tease us that's about right. what's to come, mm-hmm. which was exciting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there's some some fighting shots. 
Yeah, this episode was written by Ronald D. Moore. Right. Who we love. According to the credits. Right. So the yeah. opening shot, it's Culloden, but it's over. The very beginning of the episode, Culloden is over. So right. did you that see... bother you at all? I mean, a little. And there's bodies upon bodies of dead Scotsmen. There's and the worst of... part is... What's the worst part? The, the worst part is it's over. It's over, but the English are going around and they're finishing each of them off. They're stabbing them with bayonets. Right. Yeah, which is never... In any war, it's awful. It's war, disturbing. Well, but just in any war timey movie, that's always the part that's like that job would have sucked. I don't want to be stabbed the already dead people guy. Like that's like entry level. That's like the fry cook of the army. Basically, right. that sucks. Yeah, and we get we get a we get a shot of Jamie, our first shot of the hero, mm-hmm. and he looks like Air he's quotes. one of the dead people. He well, looks dead. Right. But we know... And he's got Blackjack on top of him. Well, we don't know who it is at the well, time. It's very ambiguous. brown-haired, so ponytailed man in a red coat. Ponytailed, yeah. red-coated gentleman. Right. Yeah. So for the people that have read the book, they know. But for people who haven't, right. they suspect. I should, I should, we should also preface this by saying that my wife has told me a lot of what happens. Even though Some she hasn't read parts. all the books. I she's haven't. read ahead a little bit. So, yeah. And she didn't know that we'd ever be doing this. So she's told me. she's told me some stuff. So anyways, so Jamie's eyes look so blue. He's looking up. They look they look almost transparent like he is dead. And he looks over and he sees another Scott who's kind of in the same position as him, who's not totally dead, and they make eye contact. He's wicked sad because he knows he's about to get stabbed by a bayonet. He is sad. And then what yeah. happens? He gets stabbed by a bayonet. And he slowly, slowly dies. Here's a question that I had in retrospect. Yeah. Every, like, like, a good portion of those, like, squirming Scottmen... Scottsman got stabbed with the bayonet, and Jamie's just lying there with his eyes open, doing pretty much nothing. The guy actually steps over him to well, stab because the other. In, in an interesting turn of events, it's almost as though the body of Blackjack protects him, right? Not, he looks like a corpse that's right. underneath a corpse. But his so, eyes are, his blue eyes are open. Anyway, whatever. Sometimes they're open, sometimes they're closed. And when they are open, they're just kind of staring straight up. These are all things that add up to 32 points out of 100. Anyway. Right. So then... Just one of many suspensions of disbelief we will get into in this We start with his flashbacks to the battle. Yeah. He flashes back and we get Prince Charlie, who I didn't think we were going to see in this season. I assumed that he'd pissed right off and that we weren't going to see him again. Mm -hmm. Happy to see that character go. Never liked him. Um, And it's frustrating watching him at this point. I think all viewers just want him to stop talking. Can we just go and just say that this showed also Mm -hmm. a bit of a flashback that Jamie makes... What turned out to be a horrible tactical decision, and he browbeat Bonnie Prince Charlie into doing it. What did he do? Well, remember the other guy. I can't even remember what the other guy. The other guy saying, "Oh, he's just trying to scare us, yeah. Bonnie Prince Charlie." And, and Jamie says, "We Jamie's need to like, fight we now. We need to charge. It's the time to charge." And then you see them charging, and then they all die. But I think that would have happened regardless. Well, we don't know. Jamie effed it up anyway. Well, we don't know that he did. I think I think that was going to happen regardless, sure and. It was probably really good advice on Jamie's part because so. he gives yeah, he, great everyone battle died. advice. Everyone died. Anyway, go on. So then um, we're back to Jamie just lying on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's snowing, and yeah, where did that happen? Because the it snow was very cold. Was it was it? very okay. very cold that know. that day. Why were they wearing kilts? Anyway, go on. They always wear kilts, and they're made of wool, so it protects them. Fair. Um, and you see Jamie quickly flashing back to what happened after Claire went through the stones. So she went right. through the stones and you actually see him yeah. empty-handed, just kind of looking all around really quickly. Sad And shit. then getting on his horse and racing back to where the battle was going to be. Right. And then we see... Would have been nice to see a battle 
had we did see a battle we did they all charged you see the scene with all the scots running towards the gunshots and the gunshots like getting rid of the first layer and then the second layer i don't remember that part it's disturbing wow anyways and then we see jamie he's um rolling all around wrestling with someone and he actually kills them by grabbing up uh, grabbing a piece uh, of earth that was actually one of the i thought was one of the more interesting and brutal scenes where he smothers someone to get he to death with like a piece of sod his throat yeah that was that was that, that was, was a cool scene a brutal, hey? that was the that was my second favorite part of the of the culloden if you can call it a fight scene yeah? yeah yeah okay and then suddenly who lands right beside him my favorite part Murta. my favorite yeah let's just take it just let's take a step back here and i just want to tell everyone that Murtaugh is my favorite character because he is essentially, in the first two seasons, he's essentially my voice in the show. Yes. He's the one who's there whenever they're going to do something stupid, and they do. He's always the one to be like, hey, you guys are <laughs> going to do something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and then they don't listen to Murtaugh, no, and they, they do it, and I then know. it's stupid. But Murtaugh's always like, I told you it was stupid. He knows. He knows. So, I know. Murtaugh is incredible. Uh, and they've done so much of this so character much. on the show. He's my voice. That they weren't doing with him in the right. book. And he's so, my... of course, there's a hashtag Save, Save Murtaugh campaign. Yeah. And they should. They're, here's, here's well, we don't need to spoil it. But if they, if they get rid of Murtaugh in the show, they are fools. They are fools. They're, they're fools. They are fools. The... So everyone's always happy to see Murtaugh. He looks like he's particularly delighted to be in the battle, right? He's, he's smiling. He's soaking it up. Yeah, he's, he's having like, a hello. good time. He kills someone that's about to kill Jamie yeah, and says, you're sure welcome does. for that. Sure and then does. his only other line is, and I had to listen to it a couple of times to figure out what he was saying is, um, the Lollybrock men are home safe. Oh, how about that? Because, and I had forgotten that in the end of... Season two, right before Jamie goes to make sure Claire's safe, he says to Murtaugh, take all the Lollybrock men home and make sure that they're hiding. Because he, sh- he knows the battle is going to go be bad news bad bearers. News, yeah. So, and he smiles, and then suddenly Murtaugh's gone. It's the only Murtaugh we get in the entire episode, and it lasts for about 15 seconds. Yeah. I mean, he's not gone, they just cut away. They, he's, well, he disappears. Jamie gets up and starts ran- running, right. and then suddenly everything gets crazy bright, mm-hmm. and he sees Blackjack. That's right. There's fire. It's really bright. Mm-hmm. All they the colors a, are right. saturated. I know. Probably on purpose. Yeah, it did get bizarrely bright. And, and they then, just have uh, this moment of like this, slow like, motion, eyes lock. Yeah. Stare down. And Jamie's like, I hate you. And Blackjack is like, I love you. I love you, <laughs> but I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And so then, then they run at each other. They do. Yeah. And they, they have this like, well, I think they run and Jamie does this like strikey bit and then they just cut away. They cut away to a scene with Claire in Boston sporting shorter cropped hair, Uh which I don't care for. I love long-haired Claire. Um, And Frank rocking a fedora like nobody's business. And uh, they're wandering around a potential new house in Boston. Right. That's right. And it's Um, really jarring because you're in the middle of this crazy battle Mm -hmm. and then suddenly it's jamie and blackjack and then oh now we're in boston in 1948 and we're just looking at potential houses yeah both of them looking incredible wearing Mm -hmm. the best outfits frank's wearing a jacket just wearing the shit out of the jacket he looks incredible pregnant she's pregnant yeah yep as they say yep and yeah. they're she's pretty happy to have this house. She's impressed by it. It's she nice. is impressed by it. And they're wandering around. And I dare say that there is cute banter back and forth between them. They almost seem friendly. They seem friendly. 
Frank is trying very, very hard to be playful. Fooled you. He's <laughs> imitating the way Americans talk, and he's asking Claire where she wants things mm-hmm. in the house. Like, it's up to the lady of the house to right, decide. Right. He's doing the best he can totally. to make everything as pleasant and happy as right. possible. Except at the end, where he implies that he's going to expect Claire to cook for him and that I believe is where everything goes to shit. No, he's trying to make he's trying to no. make her comfortable and says, "Hey, he doesn't realize. I'll be happy with whatever you make." And right. he's so hopeful. He's smiling. Little does she know Claire does not cook. She's smiling back. She cooks. No, that over was the a, fire. that was Claire's FU smile. Well, and like you said, the next shot is frustrated Claire right. alone over the stove. Claire doesn't know how to cook. She's an army doctor. She knows how to like there's two things Claire Randall Fraser knows how to do. It's yep. like suture a wound and piss people off. But cooking yeah. is not one of the things. No. For sure. yeah. And then you see her. She arranges something over the fire. She's putting mm-hmm. wood and she's cooking over the fire. And that random woman who gets a lot of screen time in a 54-minute show. Well, she'll be a bigger character. Nellie sure. Nelson says, um, does your husband like food cooked over the fire? And you can see this moment where Claire is like, she's like my which real, one? My real one does. Frank is her real husband. Wow. I'm Team Frank. I should tell yeah. all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All, all of it, which is, by the way, my my juice bottle and uh, this microphone. Yeah, that's right. Anyways, I am Team Frank, so I think that Frank is her real husband. But there is a moment on Claire's face where she set where she looks really heartbroken because she's the woman says, "Does yeah, your husband she's, like?" She's sad. She is sad. She's yeah, aching she's, for Fraser. She's struggling. And then, back in Scotland, Jamie remembers killing Jack Black and the two of them sort of slumping. Jack Black is an actor. Oops. <laughs> uh, is an American actor. Black Jack. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and the two of them slumping in a sort of hug onto the ground. Okay, I just have to rewind yeah. because this scene was lame. Mm. Really lame. Uh, it, for real. Okay. Like, I'm going to be hard on this show. Get used to that, all none listeners. But you'll also say positive things if because you've got exist, a real eye for high production quality. Well, if they exist. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is a just yeah. This is a very high production value show. It is very well produced, and we'll move it's on. It's got some incredible actors. It really it's does. Got a Costumes great are incredible. Producer. There's a lot of there's a lot of great things about yeah. this show. Sometimes the story isn't one of them. And and you don't like you don't like the the fight between. Well, wasn't there was it was just this part that was weird where they just sort of did this like bizarre sort of dance around well, each other? Well, they both essentially gave each other a fatal wound. Cause right. I think they were supposed to be maybe exhausted and worn out, but it was just, I, I really should go back and watch the game. It just seemed like a... It they just, just seemed, kind of slumped at the same time they were off. both yeah. exhausted. Right. They just kind of fell into each other and then fell over, neither one of them dead. Right. Well, Jack well, Black is well, dead. Well, Jack Black, still alive. <laughs> still a very much alive American actor. Black Jack. Starring in such... It's a school of rock. And Tropic okay. Thunder. Blackjack is dead for sure. Well, Although I will say in the books, it mm-hmm. was confusing because, well not confusing, in the books it was very, very clear because Jamie wakes up and Jack Randall is on top of him and then he rolls over and then a crow comes and it's actually pecking his eye out, like pecking his brain. So you know 100% Jack Randall that's, is dead. That's definitive. That's definitive. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Much like American actor Jack Black, Blackjack is <laughs> not dead. Well, that would be a major, major change from the book, yes, which a lot of... I would I would guess they're deviating. Because here's if TV and movies have told me anything, yeah. taught me anything even, mm-hmm. 
If you do not see someone definitively die, especially if it is the chief bad guy, that person is not dead. Well... Because here's what I'll tell you. There's no way, after everything they've done, that Blackjack Randall is going out like that. He's, he's not just going to slump into Jamie, and then the next time they cut to him, he's just rolling off in a heap. That is not how the man that put lavender I in think... your hair... <laughs> Gave it to you up the ass. That's not how it goes out. I think you're forgetting about when Jamie stabbed him and twisted the knife in his belly. Like, he gave him a mortal wound. and But he then, also gave Jamie a mortal wound. He slashed him on across his thigh. The, on his you thigh. You can bleed out. That's well, one and of I the think worst he places is. to get I think cut. he is. I think he is bleeding I think out. I would say, in fact, Jamie, there's a chance that Jamie, I'm not a physician, never will be, but I would say there's a chance that the wound he got, that Jamie got, was actually... Had a higher chance of being fatal than the one he gave to Blackjack. In the stomach? Yeah, because if, if he didn't, if Jamie didn't hit any major arteries or anything like that, it just, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong, it's not good. But like if you cut open a major artery in your leg, it's one of where one of your most, most majorist, one of the, <laughs> one of the most major arteries are, you know, you can actually bleed out really, really fast. Obviously, well, suspension of disbelief. Obviously, he didn't hit that one or Jamie would have been dead in minutes. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, we'll see. On. So then, Jamie's lying in the snow and he pictures Claire coming over to him in a beautiful nightgown and it's long-haired Claire, mm-hmm. which you know how much I love long-haired yeah, Claire. long-haired don't care. And she leans over and says, are you alive? But it's actually Rupert. Love Rupert. I love Rupert oh. too. One of the original <laughs> Scottish clan members has survived Culloden. And it's Rupert. Doing well, too. Here's what I'll tell you about Rupert. <laughs> I, I just want to hug him. I know. Everyone wants to hug he's him. Just, he's just a human hug. It's funny. I was Love listening him. to a podcast with Grant O'Rourke, and he was talking about how he kept trying to get information about his character. Mm-hmm. And he said he read through the book to see if he could, you know, learn a little bit more and delve in deeper. And all it ever talked about was someone being fat and jolly and eating a lot and laughing a lot. So he had to kind of, you know, make, make bold, the character his cow. own. Yeah, I know. He's great. I'm a big fan. Yes. Does, doesn't end well. Anyway. Yeah. And when you first saw Rupert, you said, he looks great. He should wear that eye patch all the time. He's rocking this eye patch. And I don't, did he have it in, se- in last season? Yeah. Remember he got I, shot I know, in the I know eye he got, but I, I didn't, and then, yeah, I didn't he know if, put he, it on. if he rolled the eye yeah. patch or not. But the eye patch, like, I don't know if he, he got a new patch or fresh really patch good. or he's just feeling more comfortable with it. It but looks really good. It looked great on him. He and Jamie says, just leave me. And of course, Rupert says, yeah. I'm not leaving you to die on this field. And he picks him up. Yeah. And Jamie drops the dragonfly in amber, amber. Which is why right. Claire, in season two at the end, saw it in one of those touristy places. That's right. Because he dropped it. Will Jack Randall pick it up? No, he's dead. <laughs> well, we'll see. Anyways, we will and see. then we have Claire looking in the mirror, kind of sulking. And Frank calling her darling, saying it's time to get going, and her leaning forward and saying, I have to look pretty to meet the boss, as she puts on mascara. Which kind of bugged me a little bit, because in season two, she is constantly dolling up to meet all of these aristocrats and important members and people, and she has no problem, like, getting into those beautiful outfits. It's because she's jaded and hates her life. Anyways, so then we have the scene with Dean Jackson. Oh, he's a he is a dick. And you know what? I've actually read a lot of complaints about people who thought that scene was too much and they thought it was... I thought both... I thought it was... Uh, and I've heard other people say this, but I felt the... Uh, I felt both the scene... I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Both the scene with uh, the dean and the doctor sort of talking down to Claire were... 
I think it was almost it was over the, it was over the top. It yeah. was over the top. Plus, in neither one of those scenes does Claire just like go nuclear, which is how can she? She can't. She's she com- can't. Okay, we're talking like we're not talking about a character who has ever been able to like hold her tongue ever before i just i feel like and i'm talking about life and death situations i feel like (laughs) i really feel like if she's just sitting amongst people drinking yeah no no, she's learned though and she handled herself really well in front of dean jackson and the reason why i actually quite love that scene is because it's such a great character scene for frank I love Frank, and he was incredible in that. Like, we already know that Claire is going to react badly, but this scene shows that Frank is a very progressive man. He realizes it's ridiculous. He knows she's insulted. And this, they kind of, like, reach down. They they lock eyes. He brings up. He's progressive, but he still has to protect his own ass. So he just tells her to be quiet but he doesn't at all well, he, he does, tells the and, dean and that she's a very accomplished nurse right, and she but, worked during world war ii he holds her hand he makes eye contact right. he recognizes the situation i feel like this scene and actually basically a lot of the episodes with claire and frank are a way of ronald d moore showing us what this couple could have been like look what this couple could have been mm-hmm. if she had not fallen through those darn stones look at how they could have been well just to be clear if she'd fallen through the darn stones and not, fallen. like, decided to completely abandon her relationship for red-haired Scotsman number four, this could have still happened. She, it's like she, she chose she, this. Well, but she couldn't. No, she could. She couldn't help Jamie. She couldn't resist Jamie. No one can resist Who Jamie. Could He's resist the Jamie? king of men. Anyways. I'm that's sorry. an aside. Back to the barn. No, that's not an aside. <laughs> you just call him the king of that, men? No, no. I'm not calling him that. Who called him that? Diana Gabaldon. Everyone calls him the king what? of men. Is that's that, what he is. is. That, is that's that like a, a known line? thing. He's, He's called the, the king of men. the manliest king man <laughs> Yeah. Which ever. is funny because you described him in a different way. Yeah. You were describing him as kind of... Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was... It wasn't was, complimentary. But then, but then you were like... But also an incredible. He's supposedly warrior. an incredible warrior, but yeah, he is just a bit of a whiny. He was, but he was great in this episode. So we're just we're gonna stop you right there, and we're gonna go yeah. um, back to Jamie, who is now in a barn where they're all lying, and they're all injured except for Rupert, which, as you said, um, only has one eye but has two legs. Yeah, Rupert and... was doing great. Rupert's like, should we run for it? And then everyone's <laughs> like, I, you're the only one, despite your girth, you're the only one that can run. Yeah, it yeah. was, uh, and he was ready to go. And Yeah, and then Lord Melton comes in and says that he's been ordered by his grace to execute any man who performed treason, which of course... Which was all of them. All of them. And he, he did give them the chance to... Say turn, that they to turn hadn't. on their brothers? Oh, I mean, they could have been, but they're all like. Why didn't they? Why wouldn't you? Because they're all say sorry. This was I should. I mean, probably they should have. But especially if you think about how later those two boys, Rupert's tried, like, they, they don't even they know tried. what they they're were all, they doing. Were like, they just fought a big fight. They thought it'd be cool. I don't know. It's, I don't know either. That was a, a bad, scene. bad life decision for sure. Um, Literally. And then we go back to Boston. A lot of back and forth in this. To probably my least favorite scene. Is this Claire's fight with the stove? It was a fight with the stove, but I didn't mind that. And her so, sniffing the milk. She's so, sniffing the yeah. milk, and, and the, the milk doesn't the kitchen, smell good. Yeah. And, and then, then the she bird. looks out and sees a bird. And mm-hmm. the music comes on. Mm-hmm. A swell. It's it, yeah, and it's an important. It's a it's a it's an important tune. It's it's the she, love theme between 
Jamie and Claire, and is that it's, what it's it focused was? on the bird, and I, right. I didn't understand it at all. I didn't know if she thought the bird was Jamie. I didn't know if the bird was trying to give her a message. Mm-hmm. And there was also actually a scene where Jamie looks over and sees a rabbit. Do you remember that? I do remember it's the like, rabbit. What's, is the rabbit Claire? Anyways, animals. I didn't like the bird right. at all. You said that the bird I, represented freedom. Yeah, no, well, I, I said it was a, a heavy-handed metaphor for Claire's freedom and the loss of her freedom. She sees the bird out the window. There's like a barrier between her and her freedom. And she see, she sees it, and then she's she's looking at it longingly, and then the bird flies away, and then she can't light that stove. She can't light. And that stove is just a reminder stove. about how pissed off she's she is. She's not to free be like a bird. She she's, she's not. She's stuck in a cage, a pregno, and trying to make dinner for Frank, who, by the way, she hates now. Which is so unfair. Despite the Frank, the despite the Frank, despite <laughs> the fact that Frank is a great guy, she is channeled all of her anger and disdain for her situation into Frank. Why? Despite all of his incredible 1940s outfits and shoes. He's a well-dressed, he's a dapper man. I would dare say that Frank loves Claire more than Jamie does. (gasps) Because (laughs) I don't know that Jamie would put up with the shit that Claire throws at him. Frank just takes it. Frank just takes everything. Well, Frank Almost took an really... asteroid to the head. Well, okay, and let's get We're to that. To so then um, it's Frank and Claire in the morning, and he's trying so hard. Did you sleep oh, well, he so says. Funny. And he's constantly watching her and trying to read her. He's making jokes about the tea. He's like, why do they put them in paper diapers? Like, why would they change something that works perfectly well, he says, which I think actually says a lot about Frank because he is holding on so hard to what he and Claire had before the stones. He doesn't want anything to change. Okay, right. you're pregnant. Not a big deal. Things don't have to change. Right. Um, so I thought that really kind of summed things up. And then, of course, he tries to touch her stomach. Mm-hmm. And she... Flinches. Flinches. Yeah, that's not cool. It's a, and then... It's a dick move, if you ask me. She's they get, very mean. They, she was so mean. They get into a fight. Yeah. Well, because Claire says she wants... Um, she wants to get American, American citizenship. Yeah, she wants to and American. basically, a Ben, she has. She says she has no love for Britain, and that's insulting to Frank, right? And because he's she, a historian, he loves yeah, his, he loves his history, history and his and, ancestry. That's and, right. But she, uh, she now has a disdain for her home country because of what they did to her adopted country of Scotland. Yeah. So now yeah. she has no love of Britain, and, and that insults Frank. And I think Frank knows why she doesn't love Britain anymore. And yeah. And he actually reaches over and tries to grab her hand mm-hmm. and she moves her hand. It's like, Claire, that's, right. that's so mean. Yeah. And he calls her out on it and she doesn't throws, care. And what does she do? She throws an ashtray at his head. That's right. And yeah. then he says, and I actually thought this was a really good thing for him to say. He says, go or stay, but please do it because it's what you really want to do. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not forcing you to stay here. That's right. So either go or stay. And then he just goes and he puts his amazing... Fedora on and stands at the door and takes a couple breaths and then he leaves. And your comment after watching that scene was, "Why do all of these men put up with Claire?" And I said, "Because she's she's super. She's amazing. She's strong and independent." And I said, "She's also attractive. You have to admit that." And what did I say? And you said. She's pretty, but she's not pregnant with another man's baby. Throw an ashtray at me, pretty. 
That's correct. She is not pregnant with another man's baby. Throw an ashtray at me pretty. That's another level of pretty that Claire is not. Yeah. Uh, and that is not enough reason for Frank to stay with her. So, so that um, scene um, ends and it's really sad shit because Frank's kind of choked up as he leaves the house with his hat on and Claire is sobbing in the living room for a number of reasons. But one of them, I think, is because she knows she's being so horrible. Yeah, she know how can she not? And then... She's, if she's not, she's like a sociopath. She's, oh, she knows she's awful. And then, if you were hoping for some comic relief, unfortunately, the next scene is Rupert fighting for the lives of the two young men yeah, to not, not get executed because they were too young to know what they were doing. And, of course, Lord Melton says, um, yeah, you're, this is happening for sure, and they have to go and they have to give their two names, and then they go out the door and you hear the two gunshots. Again, super brave, though. I would have, again, unrealistic. I feel like those kids would have just been weeping and i think that I, but keep I, in mind the state that all of them were in before the battle remember like in season two when they're like they're all starving they are all freezing they're all exhausted like yeah, they that were was, already that was, you've told me that a number of times but that's definitely something that wasn't uh well portrayed in the show it wasn't well portrayed the year before and it wasn't it wasn't really even well portrayed in Caledon. um like none yeah. of them were were top form so and right. I think it was just like Rupert says Rupert, it's gonna be over right away chin up go what else are you gonna Rupert do Rupert and that other by the way there was uh, yeah the, I was just gonna bring that for a second. the mystery person there's who another gets mystery character who got a, yeah he got a crap load of FaceTime also did not look like he had missed a meal lately no and he uh, got a lot of FaceTime you actually were like who is this guy yeah, is this Ronald D. Moore's cousin that's what I, yeah is it like Donald D. Moore I don't know who that is but he he actually was so apparently close that he gave he kissed Jamie on the hand he did before kiss his he, hand and, I, and then he gave his name and it sounded like Gordon Killock yeah. and I wonder did, we did wonder we should have done some Googled research it. yeah we should have done didn't. some research to see if that's well, a famous that's a, person this is why our podcast has no listeners but maybe it was someone important but it certainly wasn't someone important to the show you would have had to do maybe that was an easter egg to Scottish historians but it sure wasn't for me Anyway, yeah. that role could have been given to another character, I feel like. That, Except like, that the whole point, I thought about this, the whole point is that all of the characters that we'd already come to know and love, they right. all died. All of them were dead. It was a miracle that Rupert, someone that he actually recognized, also survived. And in the book, he didn't. Right. So that was just like, I think, but a they, nod to Greta Rourke. Well, maybe. If they saved Rupert, though, they could have... Save someone rather but than how many having... how many people from a small group of clan can all survive a battle well, but, when like ninety nine percent of them died? Obviously, this other hand kissing man survived, and he was close he enough. Was to... a random? Well, he wasn't a random. Oh, because though, he's he kissing Jamie's, Jamie's hand, hand, right? So he obviously, I see what wasn't you're saying. random. I see what you're saying. Like it could have been they could if they were gonna they could they should have just kept someone else alive. I, I yeah. mean, Murtaugh is truly dead, and he's not. But if he was, that he could have been in there. Or something yeah. like that, like that. That could have been. Well, and that leads me to like, my next point, which is what makes me so, so, so hopeful that Murta is alive. Is that Jamie said, "Murta, where is Murta? Does anyone right. know what happened to Murta?" And no one knows. Murta is not dead. I'm going to say it right now. Murta is not dead. Is not dead. I hope he's not dead. Ronald D. Moore is too smart for that. Ronald D. Moore knows that you don't take an incredible character like Murta, no matter what Diana Gabaldon says. You can't take a great character like that and just write him off your show. Well, and Diana Gabaldon's Murtaugh is not the Murtaugh of the Outlander TV series. So I've heard, yeah. They've given him so much more, and I think that Duncan Lacrosse has made him such an amazing character. I think he's made him who he is, plus good writing. Right. Um, 
what I am hoping, and I've mentioned this to Megan off off camera, off off mic. Uh, this is our first time ever doing this. What I've mentioned to Megan is I really hope that they do what Game of Thrones has done, where they take maybe one or two characters and com- sort of combine their stories into one character um, to, to to kind of you know keep certain characters around or, yeah. or eliminate other characters that maybe don't need to be included and that and that sort of thing. And I would really like to see them, you know, maybe take some other you know lesser known character that are and, in and, like yeah, the and book a, and 4 and book exactly, 5 and just like and make it Murtaugh make it Murtaugh exactly yeah. orbit into Murtaugh and, 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 and keep that keep that going I would he's love awesome. that I would love that so then we get um, ooh, a really good scene but probably one of the toughest scenes to watch where Which Rupert goes over to Jamie oh Rupert and uh Basically, they have this really amazing scene where they, it's kind of like they're talking about the good old days. Rupert talks about Angus and how he's looking forward to seeing him again. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about snoring and they're basically making reference to all of like the two of them in season one, which was so right. fun to Bosom watch. buddies, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so Rupert says, it'll be good to see him again. And Jamie says, it'll be good to see you two together again. So they're basically acknowledging to they're, each other. They're both going to die. They're both going to die. And Rupert says to him, I don't forgive you for what you did to to Dougal because of course Rupert walked in on Jamie killing Dougal in the end of season two so he says I don't forgive you for what you did to Dougal but I'm not going to take my hate to the grave like that's water under the bridge or whatever so it's a really nice scene between the two of them Mm. and then he goes up and he gives his name and then I like when they're like who's next he's like me right here I know and then he goes you hear the gunshot and um but you just see Jamie's face and you just see Jamie's face. And Sam Hewen, I know that you sometimes struggle with him, but Sam Hewen did an amazing job in that scene. He whispers a couple Gallic words that nobody mm-hmm. knows yeah. what they are. He emoted a little. Yeah. It's rare. Yeah. And then uh, and then it just pans from Jamie's face on the right-hand side of the screen, looking up, to Frank's face on the left-hand side yeah, of the screen. A, from, as, a, as a person who's done a lot of editing, um, that was a great cut. Yeah. That was, a, that was a, a, great, a great transition and a great juxtaposition between, uh, between the two, well, mm-hmm. at least for this season, the two male leads of the show. Yeah. Was, and, you know, and transitioning between uh, time and place. And, yeah, no, it was... Uh, two miseries. Two yeah, people no. who are just miserable. Not, neither one was having a good time. But, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a nice little smash at it it was so that was the first thing you said is wow that was a really good cut and the second thing you said is why is frank sleeping on the couch (laughs) yeah that that confused me out of all the things why the hell was frank sleeping on the couch right i really thought frank was gonna lose his i know you're like that water's dripping the water and the clock and everything i I really thought this is it this he's gonna wake up but he didn't no he gets up and he gets some paper right that says Frank Randall on it, and you said, "Why don't I have paperwork with my name on each page?" Yeah, I, I really want <laughs> monogram stationery now. And do you remember what he was? What he started writing? writing uh, he was writing a letter to some rando. To the re- no, not a re- re- no, not the Reverend who Reverend they were Randall. staying oh, with, right, that and who helped him search for right. Claire. Yeah, when Claire so he was trying to find out about Jamie Fraser. Yeah, and he said, "I would like to find out about a Highlander." In the battle he wants to find out if jamie survived basically and then he gets interrupted because claire comes downstairs claire comes downstairs right. so he flips the paper over and he's like claire how are you doing yeah 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 so then we go back to the barn 
and um, Jamie is ready to be killed. He's like, I would like to go next. This is my name, James. Malcolm, Malcolm Alexander, Alexander Fraser. Fraser. Why do I know that and you don't? James Alexander Whatever. Malcolm Mackenzie Fraser. There you go. I was pretty close. Um, for someone that doesn't it, like this show. Well, anyways, Not so um, Lord Melton hears. He goes yeah. up to him. Yeah. Realize you realize there's well, a you can see he walks and he's like, you can see he's like, oh, oh shit. shit, yeah, because he's like, this is Red Jamie, who they would love to publicly execute, and right. instead. My brother owes him a life. Well, that's a big... You got to roll back. That was a big reveal. He's like, oh my God, my brother is actually John Gray, who yeah. you... Who owes you a life. Yeah, well, but ja- Jamie, Jamie's ready to die, so he's like, oh, he said he would kill me. Yeah, and he's like... He tries which to really just, puts you into his head. Like, Jamie right. is in a dark, Jamie wants out. dark place. Jamie's done. He's like, do you remember what he promised you? And he's like, he said he would kill me, so let's... And he's like, but you can do it instead. And he's like, no. That's not what happened. Right. So he, well, Jamie, I mean, just to roll back, I mean, I think it, it's pretty obvious that Jamie and all his noble dumb glory was going back to Culloden to die, right? Like, 100%. Like, that was his intention. Otherwise, he, he wouldn't have sent his wife and baby away. Right. Well, he was also going into a battle that was historically a catastrophe and his time traveling wife told him. So he knew it wasn't going to end well. And he's like, why am I still here right. in pain, depressed, right. listening to all my friends get shot to death? Yeah. So he's like, just finish that. Anyway. Uh, so he tries to die, but, uh, Lord, Lord Melton won't let it happen. And, and basically there's some, I don't really, I didn't really quite get the conversation he had with the other British soldier, but basically he said, it, get a, get well, a rider and get some hay and put him no, in the hay and get him out of here. No, but he kind of justified it to the soldier a little. I, I, I can really tell if he was trying to bamboozle the other soldier a little bit or if he was just being honest it was a little bit of double speak in my opinion but anyway he said find a find a carriage driver that you know is is uh amiable amenable sorry amenable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, by that i mean we'll take a bribe we'll take a bribe yep to basically get get jamie out of here because he said you know he's done wherever he's going he's not going to uh he won't survive the trip but at least his death won't be on my honor which is a big deal back then yeah so then, then Jamie yeah. gets carried away to... That's right. Well, smash edit to some guy in a cart rolling up, and it's like... It's bumpy, Jamie. It's bumpy, bumpy cart. for Jamie. It's like, first of all, I don't know how he lived, but whatever. With that, he like, barely confusion. looks alive. Like, he, he is delirious. He he's, like, good. shaking. He's, he's pale. Well, well beyond... He's the, infected with something. Yeah, there's pretty much a 0% chance that he would have lived through it. And then he rolls up to... Jenny and Ian. Oh, there's Jenny. Jamie. And Lollybrock. Lollybrock. Yeah. And he says, am I dead? Mm -hmm. They say, no, No, you're home. He's sad about that. So then... Oh, sorry. Were you going to say... I was going to say, my first question about that is, how the hell did the cart guy know to take him to Lollybrock? Because he said, I'm Lord of Brock to Rock. Which is the same as Lollybrock. So they're just like, get rid of him. Send him home. He's probably going to die on the way there. They can okay. bury him once they get there. That's fair. Yeah. So then they go to Claire in labor with Frank, right. who is amazing. Mm-hmm. He's being well, like funny. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm Very glad supportive. I didn't hit you with Good the ashtray. Friend. And he said, well, it was my cat-like reflexes. He's trying to make jokes. He's trying to be light. The horrible doctor comes in and is condescending and awful. And says, have you ever, is this your first pregnancy? Calls her little lady. Yeah. Oh. Is this oh, your first yeah. pregnancy? And she and Frank says, 
yes. And she says, no, I had a miscarriage. And Frank quickly says, of course. Right. That was basically a, that was a punch. It was, ba- it was bad. Punch. The whole was episode was watching Frank being emotionally punched yeah. over and over she and was... over and trying to make the best of it. Yeah. Um, Do I have any comments about that? Pardon? What did I, did I have any comments about that while watching the show? Megan, by the way, wrote down a lot of my commentary. I as did, I and I don't remember what you said when you were when you watched that, but yeah. I know that you did feel bad for him. And then Frank says something really funny. He says, um, "Try not to hit that doctor with an ashtray." So he recognizes this guy is a jerk, mm-hmm. and um, he so, says, "I wish I could be in the room with you." And this is the thing. And I think again, I think this is Ronald D. Moore. I think that he wanted to make everyone see that Frank is not only a good husband, but he's very present. He's very present. And you know who isn't present? Jamie Fraser. Jamie Fraser is not present. It's like, you know what? You're sad to be in this time, but you've got this great husband who is present. Your other husband's dead in a cart. Yeah, he's not doing well. No. Anyway, so Claire goes. They basically knock. They tell her to quit panicking. She says, I'm not panicking. They knock her out right before she mutters. She whispers, you bastard, to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Then they, they put her out and she wakes up. She would have lost her shit on that one, but she uh, couldn't. They, she all she can say is "you bastard," and then they and then they cover her up. Yeah, mm-hmm. she would have. She was about to lose it, and I don't blame her at all. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but I did forget that before she goes, before she leaves, Frank turns and says, "Claire, oh, I yeah. love you," and she looks at him. She nods. I don't even know if she nods. She nodded. She breathes through a contraction. Right, because I was I was saying that was like, he says "I love you," and she basically says. Thanks for the ride here. Oh, it's just a punch right in the right in the teeth. Anyways, she wakes up, and this is this was um, very very well done because season two, the episode of Faith when she loses the baby, it's so disturbing, and she basically wakes up from being unconscious in season two, and she feels her stomach and says, "Where's my baby? Where's my baby?" And she keeps asking the question until one of the nuns comes and says. She's with the angels. It's very upsetting. So, cue to season three, this episode, she wakes up and same thing. She feels her stomach. She looks all around and she says twice, where is my baby? Where is my baby? But this time, we have Frank coming in the room, holding the baby. He looks great. Frank's like, fooled you. I got to touch the baby first. He's like, it's a baby girl. But he's also like, he's taking care of her. He's like, don't worry. It's okay. It's going to be okay. So it's a very different experience. And you know where Jamie was when she lost Faith? He was in jail. He was in prison. Yeah. For then, months after. And then there's the final punch in the teeth for Frank to end well, he up says, the episode. Frank's crying because he's so, so happy. happy. And so happy. he says, we're going to be okay. Right. We're Everything's going to be Talks okay. Talks Claire to a first start. Claire's like, and yeah. Claire admits, she says, I've been so right. awful to you. Yeah, she knows. And he forgives her mm-hmm. and they kiss. And the nurse comes up and says, what a beautiful baby. And Frank says, thank you. And you can hear the pride in his like voice. It's his own baby. Yeah, like it's but his But then. Baby. And then she says, where'd she get the red hair? And Joe said, there's a little stab in the balls. And then we go cue to credits. Yep. That's, that's what it was. That's the episode. That was a stab in the balls for sure. Poor so, Frank. That was just a bad. Frank it was just, tough. It was a tough Frank episode just, to watch. Tobias Menzies just in general kind of. Just kind of took it right he's, in the chin the whole episode. He's incredible. So, MVP. Who would you say is the MVP of this episode? Rupert. Really? Hard Rupert. It's a good one. Yeah. He was incredible Love in this Rupert. episode. Yeah. 
he as was his grand really finale good. he was good he was emotional he was uh, i mean strong he could have he could have his character could have run for it but he didn't he actually offered to run for it, and he was the only one physically capable, but he still didn't. He didn't. He got Jamie off that field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he saved Jamie's life. Because if Jamie had continued to lie there, yeah. he would have no. died. Hard Rupert, for sure. Okay. What were you going to say? No, that was it. That was it. Um, my MVP, can you guess? Well, yeah. Go for it. It's Frank. Of course. Followed very closely by Jamie. Because really? I thought Sam Heung was incredible in this episode. He barely spoke, but everything mm-hmm. was showing on his face. Yeah. He was great. Um, okay, favorite scene of the episode? Favorite scene of the episode? I think it was Claire um, when she couldn't light the stove. <laughs> it was just... It, I, I actually did like that. Like It was just such a great sign of her frustration with... She was just pouring all of her hate for being in back in modern times into the you know that basically that never ending fight with the stove burner. Yeah. It was just and it was just just showing that you know it was just kind of again I feel like it was like a metaphor for yeah. her her struggles and her frustration yeah. with, with modern times. I uh, yeah I feel like the show is very ham fisted sometimes when it tries to do stuff like that and I, you know and. Uh, I really think that that was, I thought that was a nice recurring, recurring metaphor. Yeah, that's a good one. That's Yours? a really good one. My favorite scene was when um, Rupert and Jamie said their farewell. That was a really, really good scene. And it was kind of a nod to all of the Outlander fans who, you know, were nostalgic for season one and even the end of season two when all of the clan were together. So I loved that scene. That was a really good scene. Okay, least favorite scene. Um, my least favorite scene was the uh, well, it wasn't really a scene because because it was it's hard to because this show wasn't really about scenes because there were so many back and forths. Uh, but I think my least favorite moment was the sort of if you can call it the grand finale of the blackjack, uh, Jamie Fraser fight. Yeah. Uh, people have been waiting. Like, here's what I'll say. Let's just roll back for a sec. If that was the culmination of Jamie Fraser and Blackjack Randall, it is the most anticlimactic and disappointing ending to such an incredible rivalry in pretty much the history of fiction, I would say. It is it's it is the <laughs> Okay, but I will say this. Like, let's just roll back. Let's just roll back to like season one where there was just like like Blackjack just he owned Jamie. Like it was intense. Yeah. almost literally owned yeah. body part. He just right. owned him. It was him. very intense. And it's like for that, like there needs to be some sort of payoff. There it was. Made, there was no payoff. Well there was no payoff. It was more than what uh Diana Gabaldon right. gave book readers. And here, book readers, it was literally just Jamie wakes up and Jack Randall is dead on top of him. That's but I, it. So I, Ronald D. Moore wrote mm-hmm. it so that you at least saw them run towards each other. Right. You saw the final scenes of his life. Right, but I think that that, that is just, I mean, I, I haven't read the books, and yeah. I don't want to insult any book listeners that right. may sometime in the future listen, listen to this. To this you know, yeah. I know they won't. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that was that's just bad writing. Oh. That's horrible, horrible writing, and probably because... 
Diana Gabaldon, from what it sounds like, cares more about stirring loins than actual coherent storytelling. Um, so, you know, and I, yeah, that's yeah, come, that, come, no, come get me, Twitter. No, that's uh, not. But, uh, but. <laughs> that's but inaccurate, that's, but I well, can see where you're getting that but, from. But, but yeah, sure. that's okay. the, well, yeah. I mean, the proof is on the page. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so there you go. Or on the TV. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, so I, I'm, I have faith that Ronald D. Moore, who is a uh, very established showrunner, will, uh, will do things smarter. Right. Yeah. He'll, he'll do great. <laughs> Um, So my least favorite scene of the episode was the bird scene, obviously, because it left me feeling confused and like I was missing something. And I rarely feel that way when watching Outlander because it's my show. Like I know I read ahead. I read afterwards. It's very rare that I watch a scene and think, what? What's happening? So that was my least favorite scene. All right. Um, Best line of the episode. So I've watched the episode three times, so I have I have a line, but I don't know if you because you just did the one viewing. Yeah, I was. So should we just do single viewing? Right. Should I? Yeah, hit it. So my the best line of the episode, in my opinion, was was what? I mean to set a quick pace, so try and keep up. That was a great line. That was Rupert. That was from Rupert's Rupert's great scene, his his grand finale scene. No, that was a that was a good scene. I'm trying to think if I. uh, the best line. No, you know, it's tough because if you only watch it once and you're not writing it down, like yeah, I was no, writing I stuff I down. Wasn't yeah. it, but that was that was a pretty good line. Uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. I okay. love Rupert. Great. So. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's it. That that concludes the very first inaugural episode of <laughs> Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast in the world. Out there. In the world.